Our scripture today is from Acts chapter 2. It's a great passage, and it's the, the day of Pentecost. And what had happened was that the people on the day of Pentecost, it was 50 days after the Passover, Jesus had been crucified and God raised him from the dead. And 50 days later, the Spirit was poured out on the church, and Peter gave this fiery sermon, and in the sermon, he told people that Jesus was the Messiah. And then we pick up the story here with these words. Now, when they heard this, meaning Peter's sermon, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, if there's anyone who's come today who's confused or bewildered or at a crossroads in their life, if there's anyone who's come today who's worried or afraid, anxious, if there's anyone here who's got a decision to make or new habits to begin or old habits to break, I pray that however we have come, on a mountaintop or in a valley, you would speak to us exactly, O oh God, where we are. May these words be your words, O oh God, and we know they will be, for we pray with anticipation, and we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Two missionaries met at LAX airport over here, not far from here, and one was a rookie missionary going out into the mission field, and the other was a veteran missionary who'd been on the mission field for 40 years. And the rookie said to the old veteran missionary, hey, have you got any advice for me? I'm about to go out to the mission field for the first time. I've never done this before. Any advice for me? Now, they only had a few minutes because they both had to catch airplanes at LAX. But the veteran missionary said to the rookie, well, I could give you lots of advice, but here's one thing to remember. Fire, no matter how hot it is or how big it is, fire always has a tendency to go out. And if you think about it, that's good advice for any area of life, isn't it? It's true in relationships, in a marriage. If you've been married 5 or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, you know fire's got a tendency to go out. And to keep the flame of fire going in the marriage, you've got to keep romance alive, keep holding hands and, and keep listening to one another and talking to one another and sharing with each other your intimate, most deepest secrets and thoughts. Or the fire has a tendency to go out. And isn't this true in friendships or in relationship with parents or grandparents or siblings if they live far away? Fire has always got a tendency to go out. You've got to tend the fire and, and keep texting and keep calling one another and keep talking to one another on Zoom or on FaceTime. You've got to keep the relationship going or fire has a tendency to go out. 
This is true in physical fitness, isn't it? If you ever started a physical fitness regimen, you get all excited about it, and then for the first week or two, you're really on fire, and you're, you're wanting to get out there and do the physical fitness routine, but then the second week, and the third week, and the fourth week, it kind of gets harder and harder to get up early in the morning and do this routine, even though it's good for you. Isn't it true? It's easy to start, but it's hard to sustain a workout. Or have you ever gotten a fitness center for a Christmas gift, or somebody gave you a Pilates or, or Peloton workouts at your fitness center, and you're excited about that. And the week after Christmas, you go, and everybody's there at 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. The place is packed. And for some weeks, everybody's excited about this. And then comes the 1st of March. You can't get a parking space in January, but then comes the 1st of March, and you can park anywhere you want. His fire has a tendency to go out. You get started excited about the routine, but after a while it gets old. Fire has got a tendency to go out. This is true in science. The second law of thermodynamics says this. Now stick with me here. The things have a tendency to run down or cool off or get more and more disorganized. It's only if you put energy into anything that it's going to go faster or start to speed up a little bit. It's only if you empire energy that you do that. If you have an automobile and you never get regular maintenance, the engine's going to rust and the tires are going to go flat and the paint's going to peel off. It's only when you apply energy to the automobile that it's going to get better and less disorganized. It's going to get more and more the way it should be running. Cars don't get better on their own. Gardens don't get better on their own. They'll be overcome with weeds. Lives don't get better on their own. The only way a life gets better is if you apply energy to it. Fire's got a tendency to go out. You can find a behavior pattern in yourself and say, I want to cut that out. And you start cutting it out. And for a while, you're all fired up about it. But fire's got a tendency to go out. This is why Mark Twain said, it's easy to quit smoking. I've done it dozens of times. You get excited about quitting smoking, and then you, you start to get smoking again. And one cigarette, two cigarettes. Fire's got a tendency to go out. The early Christians knew this. So in the early Christian church, they knew that fire had a tendency to go out. So on that day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that sermon, 3,000 people got fired up about his sermon. And they received this news joyfully, and they became baptized. And 3,000 new members, it's a big new members class, 3,000 of them. But how did they keep that fire going? And what Acts says, Luke says in the book of Acts, the way they kept the fire going was they devoted themselves to prayer. You know, you can tell a lot about what somebody devotes themselves to. They, do they devote themselves to fitness? Do they devote themselves to an academic discipline? Do they devote themselves to a musical instrument? What do they devote themselves to? Well, the early church devoted themselves to prayer. It was interesting that they chose prayer. Now, Peter, the one who preached that sermon, it was so dynamic, and 3,000 people were saved afterwards, were baptized, when Peter preached that sermon, he had been with Jesus, and he knew that the source of Jesus' power was prayer. In fact, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. It's the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them. They didn't say, teach us to preach, teach us to heal, teach us to perform a miracle. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They realized Jesus was devoted to prayer, so they were devoted to prayer. And they decided that every day of their life they would pray. And they prayed multiple times a day. And prayer became the source of their life, not an addendum to their life. They prayed every single day. And they actually felt like they were in touch with the power of the living God. 
Do you know the name Sully Sullenberger? You've heard that name. Sully Sullenberger was a captain of U.S. Airways, Flight 1549. Back in 2009, on January the 15th, Captain Sullenberger took off captaining that U.S. Airways jet from LaGuardia Airport in New York going to Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, a little bit into the flight, just a few seconds into the flight, when they were only at about 2,800 feet into the air, starting to go over New York City, a flock of geese from Canada came, and they went into the engine, and both engines went out. So here's Sullenberger now, with no power, captaining a plane with 155 people in it, hovering over New York City. Well, what would you do? What did he do? So he thought, he talked to the tower, talked to the co-pilot, was talking, remembering things that he'd studied in his mind, what he would do, and he had to decide, would I go back to LaGuardia Airport? Could I make it back to LaGuardia? Or should I go to Teterboro Airport in New Jersey? Do I have enough gas to get over there? And then he wondered, well, what should he do? Maybe he should land on the Hudson River. Notice I didn't say crash into the Hudson River. I said land on the Hudson River. And after talking to the tower and the co-pilot, he decided after just a very few minutes that he was going to land on the Hudson River. Now, maybe you've seen the movie of this, Sully, or maybe you've seen the, the videos of it or it was in the papers and it's been recorded over history. They landed in the Hudson River in January the 15th. It was icy cold, that water. And Sullenberger's plane dipped into the icy water, and then it came up and started to float on top of the water just for a moment, and passengers got out, and they were standing on the wings, and meanwhile, New York's finest, the police and the tugboats all converged on this plane, and they came and rescued the 155. Meanwhile, Captain Sullenberger had, had walk, was walking up and down the aisles, making sure nobody was still on the plane, and when all 155 crew members and passengers, when they were all accounted for, and everybody was safe and on the shore, for the first time, he took an interview. The reporter said to him, Captain Sullenberger, how did you do this? You landed this enormous plane on the Hudson River. How did you do it? He said, well, you know, my co-pilot, Jeff, he, he was awesome. Our flight attendant, the crew was amazing. The passengers did exactly what the flight attendants told them to do. They braced for landing. They put their heads down. They, they were amazing. They just cooperated totally. They didn't get up until we told them it was time to get up from their seats. It was unbelievable the way they did it. And the, the interviewer said, yeah, Captain Sullenberger, I, I appreciate your humility, but actually, you're the captain of this plane. I mean, you had to make the decision what to do. How did you do this? And Sullenberger said, well, as I said, the crew was wonderful, but maybe this will give you a little glimpse into my life, how I did this. Um, for 35 years, I've been making regular daily deposits in the bank of training, education, and experience so that on January the 15th, 2009, I could make a rather large withdrawal. Now, let that lean against you for a little bit. Just internalize that. For 35 years, the guy makes regular daily deposits in the bank of training, education, experience, so that when he needs it, so when he's got a plane hovering over New York City and he doesn't know what he's going to do, he could draw on all that experience. Have you been making regular daily deposits in the bank of prayer or in the bank of faith so that when tragedy comes in your life or a crisis comes or, or you just face a daily challenge or when death knocks on your door of your family, which it surely will, well, you have something to draw on in that moment that you could apply in that situation. 
You know, as a pastor, I've had the privilege of walking with many people when they were dying on their deathbed. In fact, I've, I've been with people when they've died, and I've talked to many people who are a few weeks or a few days or a few minutes away from death, and, and, and it's always the same conversation. People never say to me in those moments, you know, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. They never say that. They always say, gee, I wish I'd learned how to pray. I wish I knew how to talk to God. I... I wish I'd read the Bible a little bit more. I wish I, wish I knew God. So I'd like to issue a summer challenge to Hewitt Saint, and SMCC, San Marino Community Church. And my summer challenge is this. Take 10. Would you be willing to join me for the next 30 days to take 10 minutes a day to pray? And to make a regular daily deposit in the bank of prayer. I'm telling you, it's a life changer if you do it. Five minutes, I'd urge you to talk to God and five minutes to listen to God. When I talk to God for five minutes, I tell God exactly how I'm doing, what's going on, what challenges I'm facing, my plan for the day, my plan for the week, and what I'm up against. Or I talk to God about anything. I'm just honest with God about how I'm doing. But I also talk to God about my wife, Suzanne, and our sons, Toby and Ryan, and Katie and Holly, our beautiful daughters-in-law, and our seven grandchildren. And I talked to God about Collins, our little granddaughter. I talked to God about all these things and get, get any advice I can from God about this. But then I spend five minutes listening to God. And you know what's the most interesting thing? When I listen to God, I start to hear not an audible voice, but I, I start to get nudges from God, little things maybe I can do, and I start to see something, a challenge I'm facing from a whole different perspective. It's amazing how cha prayer changes things, and what I realize when I pray, prayer, the purpose of prayer is not to change God's mind. The purpose of prayer is to receive God's mind. The purpose of prayer isn't to get God on my agenda. I sometimes wish it was that, but rather it's to get me on God's agenda. Prayer changes my perspective, and sometimes I ask God, Lord, give me a creative idea. And it's the most amazing thing. I'll text somebody that I hadn't thought about it for a while. I'll give them a phone call, and so often the person will say, Tom, how did you know to call me today? How did you know I needed that text right now, or I needed that email? Well, I believe God gave me a creative idea. Pray for a creative idea. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. Let me just give you a recent example for me. Two of my dearest friends in the world are a couple named Keith and Carol. They live in Pennsylvania, and Keith has been my mentor. When I graduated from Princeton Seminary, I went to Keith's church, and he was the senior pastor, and I was an associate pastor, and I learned life lessons from Keith. And he was a mentor for me. He still is my mentor. But when I've gone through the greatest joys and the greatest sorrows of my life, I've called Keith. He's been there for me all these years. Well, now he's in his 80s, and he's had a, some cancer battles recently, and he's had cancer for several years. But recently, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor that's inoperable. It's a big mass above his eye. And the doctor said, this is inoperable. There's really not any hope for you physically. His wife, Carol, at the same time, the key got this diagnosis, she got the diagnosis, she's got Alzheimer's, and she's had to give up her driver's license, give up her car keys, and she can't drive anymore for her safety and the safety of others, and oh, what a time they're in, and you know, what's funny about Keith is, is of all the things I remember with him, 
it's laughter. I just remember laughing with, we would laugh hysterically about things. And, and now it's such a maudlin time in their life, such a difficult time in their life. And I wondered, you know, what can I do? So I was praying for them and praying that he'd be healed and praying that he'd get a little better and, and praying and all that. But, but I know that physically there's no hope and probably he's not going to live very long humanly. And so I've been praying, what can I do? And the other day I got a creative idea. Well, we'll tell Keith recall these memories of fun and humor and life and he would love to laugh and I wouldn't have thought of that myself but I got this idea of praying so so I wrote to Keith not long ago some of these funny things that happened and years ago our son Toby was born on Easter Sunday and so Suzanne and I went to the hospital she was going to give birth to Toby and I called Keith and said Keith I can't be in the service today Easter Sunday because Suzanne and I were about to have our baby he said oh gosh Tom this is great we'll call us we'll be praying for you call us when the baby's born I said oh this okay we'll call give you a call so Suzanne gave birth to Toby and I called Keith he was in the middle of the Easter services and and he took my call and he said Tom what's what is that well the, the baby was born it's a little boy What's the name? Tobin Douglas Tool. Oh, this is great, Tom. We're so excited. This is fantastic. I'm so excited. We'll be praying for you, and we'll be over. Tell Suzanne we'll be able to see her this afternoon, and, and we're so excited for you. I'm going to announce it to the congregation. So Keith Brown told the church on Easter Sunday that we'd had this baby boy, and everybody applauded, but then he said, you know, Suzanne and Tom Tool are the only couple I know who would try to upstage the resurrection on Easter. Well, this guy's a funny guy, Keith, but he's a very funny guy. So I'm texting him all this funny stuff, and I get back from Carol, his wife. You know these LOL emojis, what that looks like? I get back from an LOL emoji, and then she said, Tom, thanks for these memories. And then she said to me, it's so good to laugh. I never would have thought of this. I mean, the guy, frankly, he's dying. He, doesn't, he may not even live to the summer vacation they have the end of July. They just want him to get to the beach with his family at the end of July, and everybody's praying for that. But she said, these, these humorous little stories have, have restored our soul and, and reminded Keith of how good, what a good guy he is and all the laughter. And it's, it's been good for us to laugh. I wouldn't have thought of it, but I'm telling you, the God of the universe has stuff to tell you and me, but we're not even listening. We don't spend any time in the day talking to God. We, maybe we talk to God a little bit, but we're not listening to God. God's got creative stuff to tell us about our children and our parents and our neighbors and our friends and our careers and our decisions and our hopes and our joys, and we're not even paying attention. God is going to tell us all this stuff, these creative ideas. I'm telling you, it's life-changing so would you join me 10 minutes a day? 10 minutes. Five to talk to God. Five to listen to God. Get away from distractions. Can you take a walk? Can you take a shower? Can you sit outside? Can you go someplace just alone? If you can, it's not easy. And just listen to God. God, open yourself to God. God, is there anything you want to tell me? Any advice? And I got this idea about, about doing humorous stories for Keith. And, and it was, it was life-changing for them. But I wouldn't have thought of it myself. It has nothing to do with me. I got it from the God of the universe. And God's got ideas, creative ideas for you to how you'd love your children, how to love your families, how to serve in your job, how to be a better person. God's got all this to tell us. Will you join me 10 minutes a day? I just close with this thought that years ago, Blanche, Blanche was in a nursing home and she's the grandmother of Dean Thompson. Blanche taught Dean Thompson the Christian faith. 
She taught him the 23rd Psalm, the Ten Commandments, the hymns, the, the worship of God, how to pray. Well, many of you know Dean Thompson. He's been active at this church. He's taught classes here. He's a Presbyterian minister, one of the finest Presbyterian ministers in the country. He's taught all over America. He's been the president of Louisville Seminary. He taught young seminary students. This guy's phenomenal. But he credits his grandmother, Blanche Cripple, with helping him become the person of faith he is today. She passed on her faith to him. She made regular daily deposits in the bank of faith. So when she was in tough times in her life, she had something to draw on. And she taught this to Dean. So Dean goes to see her in the nursing home. She is very old at this time. So he goes to the nursing home and she said, oh, I'm so glad you came. There's a worship service about to start at our nursing home here. Would you, would you mind, would you have a few minutes to go with me? He said, oh, Grandma, I'd love to go with you. So they go arm in arm down to the chapel and they're sitting there in the pew. She said, I got to warn you. She said, my eyesight is terrible and I, I can't even see the hymn. I can't read the Bible. I can't even read the fine print anymore. And my memory is going, my memory is just terrible. I can't remember anything anymore. He said, Grandma, that's okay. So they start the service, and the, the minister, the old-fashioned, old-time minister, charged up that day, and he says, let's sing this hymn. And it had six stanzas. So Dean reaches for the hymn book, and he opens it, and the grandmother said, Dean, I can't see that hymn book, so don't, don't even bother showing it to me. So Dean uses the hymn book, and he's singing the hymn off of it. But he keeps looking over to his grandmother, Blanche, and she's singing every note and every word of the six stanzas. She's not looking at the hymn book. And he, at the end of the hymn, when everybody sang Amen, he teasingly whispers in her ear, Grandma, I thought you said that your memory was failing. She said, oh, Dean, those words aren't in my memory. Those words are in my heart. What's in your heart, really? You know, the, you can't reap dividends off of deposits or investments you never made. Someday, we're going to get to the end of our life, and every one of us is going to be in a situation where we're going to need God, and will we have anything of God to draw on? Will we? Take this 10-minute challenge. I tell you, it'll change your life. See, Blanche knew, Blanche knew, that she had to make daily deposits in the bank of prayer and the bank of faith. She knew that fire, no matter how big it is, no matter how hot it is, fire always has a tendency what? Don't ever forget it.